Cosmic Captains. Welcome back to another episode of The, the Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we like to be authentic. We like to be enigmatic. We like to be altruistic. And sometimes basic. And sometimes just big old whores. What? Huh? Wait. Who said that? You did, like seven seconds ago. Who said that? We are spiritual whores, meaning that we will fuck with any spirit (laughs) so long as they have goodness in their heart. Yeah, there the goodness must be there cuz I don't I don't mess around with nasty spirits. No, but the nastiest spirits that you can find are usually human beings. <laughs> that is very true, usually residing within the confines of a human being. Any hoodle, should we introduce ourselves? Yes. Why don't you go first? I am Angel Lopez. I am a writer, I am a film producer. I am also a astrologer. And a spiritual teacher, healer, playlist leader, and uh, keeper of metaphysical secrets. And you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a non-binary, queer as fuck, spirit healer. I am a tarot reader and an astrologer, a teacher of esotericism. I am a writer and a performer. All right. That's us. I feel like every time we do these now, like I can't help but to think of that Sara Ramirez, Che Diaz thing where they were like joking about like Che Diaz's like multi-hyphenate, multi-hyphenate like bio um, and then how that nasty reporter and I forgot what even what publication was where they did a profile of Sara Ramirez. And yeah. Like. We're kind of making fun of them for. Don't come to us with there. hate in your heart for Sara Ramirez. Yeah, exactly. Because we are big supporters and fans. You can have a little hate for Jay Diaz. We all do. Understand. We all do. But they are doing the best they can, yeah. and they are an amazing actor, an amazing singer, and just human. Yes. So as far as we know, we don't know them. Yeah, personally. we don't know them personally. <laughs> One of you out there knows and is like, oh, no, no, they're terrible. You, no, let me we're, we don't know. Talk Allegedly. about a dark spirit. Allegedly, but anyhow, that was um just a, a shout too, and just like that, which ever since it ended, I don't think Brandon's life has been the same, and it probably never will be. <laughs> Well, it will be in 2025 when it's back. Those 70 seconds of Samantha Jones on her way from Heathrow just live rent free in my head. I'm surprised you don't watch it every day just to like put a smile on your face. Honestly, I am surprised as well. Well, I want that for you. Yeah, so I got to cue that up. up. I got to figure that out. Cue it up. Um, so yeah, we are the Spiritual Gaze. And if you've never listened to us before, welcome. And we're going to start right off with a promo because oh. our we are. <laughs> we're that type. We're not going to hide it somewhere in the middle because... If you're listening to this, you like us, or you're at least intrigued yeah. by us. And we got something to sell. Tell them people what we're <laughs> selling, honey. Okay. Oh, All we're husbands. Right. Did we say that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Tell the people what we're selling, hubby. Okay, listen. So we have been doing... <laughs> All sorts of online offerings since the pandemic. We've been teaching classes. We've had a bunch of monthly gatherings of all different types. 
So can I just interrupt to say we are not the best salespeople. Um, we uh, don't entirely enjoy that part of it, but we also didn't really start out as salespeople to begin with. This just started as a podcast that then became a classroom uh, that we then you know started creating all these offerings, and now we have to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, or else you wouldn't know that they exist. Yeah, then you wouldn't maybe want to participate. Yeah, we want to compel you to participate. But anyhow, I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, it's fine. I mean, it's it's true. We really, really suck at this part. <laughs> Any hoodle. We've got this new offering that we're calling the Wheel of the Year, and it's basically a combination of everything that we love to facilitate and teach. So there's astrology, there's breathwork, there's animus practice, there's tarot, there's all sorts of other things that we can't really talk about, but we oh. will explore them in like sacred container. So basically... Those are the metaphysical secrets. Correct. But basically, we're going to meet once a month around the full moon and we're going to have these like workshop inspired ceremonies so they are ceremonial in nature that there is some sort of like experiential element but they're not like so serious that you have to come like dressed in all white and like bathed in your rose water i mean unless you're you want welcome to, to you're welcome that, to do so but you also are welcome just to like show up as you are yeah and we will we know from our own personal experience that it's really hard to hold space for yourself and to keep your spiritual practice consistent. Yeah. So our goal with this was that every month you show up, whether in real time or after the fact, because we'll record it. So, you know, wherever you are, you can plug in and you have the opportunity to engage with not only the unique energies of whatever that lunation is, but also whatever else we're cooking up. So there's a little bit of accountability, there's a little bit of like hand-holding, and there's a lot of magic because the more consistent you are and the more people that share the same intention, the more powerful the thing is that you can create. Yeah. So the first season, the whole wheel of the year, it starts next week. The portal is opening. And if you don't jump in... For that first season, you can't jump in until the second season starts. So that will be uh, Capricorn season, I believe. So this first mm -hmm. season is Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius, which we have called the seeking season. And we've like coined these different, you know, sort of titles for each season just because, you know, we are going to like center each of those three meetings around the idea of that. So, you know, it's very much around like, seeking it's very thematic with i think all of what's going on with the astrology of that current time as well and you know i think this is really important to us because we are very excited by the community that comes together around uh the spiritual gaze and all of our offerings and like brandon was saying like you know the more people you have like around a certain intention the more powerful it can become so uh, we just love the people who show up for our offerings so this was kind of our way of trying to offer something like a bit more potent than all the offerings that we were doing in the past and so I guess that is to say that this will be the way to connect with us on a monthly basis I don't think we've actually really fully announced that the old ones are gone. Right. Like there's no monthly Astro Club. There's no yeah. monthly Breathwork Circle or Spirit World Circle. Which I kind of now feel a little bad that we didn't really like 
make like a formal we did we didn't really make like a formal in the newsletter no totally but just i i guess i do feel like we were like in those last ones but you know this all was like coming together for us because it's not over yes exactly we've just evolved adapted yeah and now you can join us once a month for for this totally and frankly, it's more cost effective because if you were joining us three times a month, yeah, now it's just one. <laughs> and you all know we ain't trying to make a mint with this shit, right? Like no. I go on there and I see people charging like crazy stuff for their workshops. Yeah. So, you know, this is, I hope, very accessible. And we hope that we'll have a lot of you come and join us so that we can have like a really potent community engage with these exciting offerings that we've really been like allowing the time to marinate in our hearts yeah so thanks to everyone who's already signed up we're looking forward to being with you but uh yeah you still have time to join us and there's three ways to sign up you know brandon said you can sign up every three months but you can also sign up for six months half the year or you can just sign up for the entire wheel of the year all right that was our pitch you know what i'm realizing what are you realizing well, you know, every time we do one of these like deep dives into the houses, like right away, the theme of the house starts to like weave itself through the episode. Oh, totally. That we're like going to be covering the 10th house today. And we literally started the episode with a pitch about like one of our business offerings. Yeah. Well, that seems right. That's the 10th house. Totally. But also I have Neptune in my 10th house, which is why I'm like so bad at this because <laughs> it's just like a dreamy fog of right. of trying to peddle my wares on the metaphysical boulevard totally and i don't have any planets in my 10th house but i have mars and pisces in the 11th which we'll talk about later but i have aquarius on the midheaven which is the doorway to the 10th house which means i just want to like you know come into kooky gatherings i'm not necessarily thinking about how they will come together (laughs) correct just assuming they will all right should we check in yes why don't you check in, honey? Well, what is there to say? I mean, I do feel like some of my check-in slightly hinges on your check-in. All but right. Should I go first? Should I just yeah. should I just bring it all the way all the way down? I think you should. You guys, it's been so rough. It's been so hard. If you've been listening for a while, you know like the true grief journey that Angel and I have been on over the last few years. And it just keeps evolving, as I kind of alluded to over the last couple weeks. My sweet cousin, 37 years old, he passed away. And it is just unfathomable to lose someone so young, so vibrant, who didn't want to go, who had been valiantly fighting this cancer. It just, it has sent me personally on a whole another grief descent it's brought up all my grief around noche and my mom it has been rough as fuck so we went down to san diego last week we buried him i will share that there was this very funny moment during the funeral service which is a weird sentence to say out loud but there was a very funny moment where this big picture of him that was like standing in like a a tripod there was some wind and so it like literally all blew over and his brother kind of went up to secure it and he just like looked at me who was like standing to the side and he just like pointed at me and like motioned for me to come out and basically told me like i needed to stand there and hold that so 
just to make sure that like it wouldn't fall over again throughout the course of the service. And so I'm standing there holding this easel, this photo of my beloved cousin, and I'm wearing this black suit and I am standing in the sun and it is hot, y'all. And I am standing there in like the center of the service. Like I am just feet from the casket. I am looking at the backs of the family who've gotten up to speak. I'm looking out at like the hundreds of people who came to honor my cousin. And I am just like sweating my fucking tits off. Like everybody else is in the shade. And I am just standing there holding this picture. And I am just like feeling the sweat like dripping down my back. And I can just hear in my head, Cameron, my cousin, just like laughing at me, just like howling with laughter that like, this is where I am at this moment. And I just knew that was where I was supposed to be. Like, just like letting him know that I had his back, literally the back of that picture of him, even after his physical passing, I still have his back. And and just that strange perspective. It was almost as if I were him watching the funeral happen, you know? Like it was just a really unique perspective, a, a really unique place to be viewing the proceedings. And I didn't get to see this because I was holding up the picture, but multiple people in my family, uh, people who are not particularly spiritual, I think they would say that, they said that they all saw the same thing, which is that throughout the service, his picture seemed to morph somehow. And like a third eye became really visible. And then these like wings started to spread out from his own picture. And again, like multiple people like saw the same thing. And I'm honestly so bummed that I wasn't able to see that. But I, I just think, you know, there are reasons beyond our knowing and maybe I flatter myself but I just think like you know maybe it was my spiritual connection and just standing there and supporting maybe allowed some of that to just like come through at at the end like at this like very peak moment and also like just keep in mind like we are at the same plot essentially like where my mom was buried where my cousin's mom was buried over a decade ago and and both of our moms they have these like pretty elaborate gravestones with like full color photos of them like on the gravestone this was not our doing but by the way that's that's not how i would like to be commemorated like just my name is enough thanks but there are these like full color photos so i'm also just like staring at my mom's face the whole time which was not easy to say the least but you know, my mom and I, we have this like thing around butterflies among other animals. And there was not a single butterfly the whole day. And then like at the very end of the service, all of a sudden, like these butterflies come flying around like me and the photo, like so much so that I almost thought they were going to like come and like land on me or something. And it was just like one of those winks from the invisible world to where as devastated and sad and heavy and re-traumatizing as the whole experience was, I also knew that there was support on the other side. So we've made it through that, and now we are in the aftermath, which is honestly like the hardest part, you know, and I've been 
super depressed and super anxious, honestly, just because he was so young and it was colon cancer. So since, you know, we do have a podcast, I'm just going to say like, it's never too early to go get yourself a colonoscopy. And you might be saying, Brandon, I really don't want to go get a colonoscopy. And let me tell you, sweet baby, I don't want to get one either. But you know what? It's not that big of a deal. And you I, did. I got one a couple months ago. And you know what? It was fine. So get yourself checked up. You know, you got to take your health into your own hands. You got to be your own health advocate. That's something my mom really demonstrated. And get yourself a really good husband, like Angel Lopez, who knows how to pull you out of your funk. I was just like... So fucking listless yesterday. And you know, I've got all the spiritual practices, but sometimes you just need someone to say, honey, do you want to go get sushi and go to TJ Maxx? And so that's what we did. And I got to say, it really helped. So thank you. My pleasure. And what a crazy fucking life this is. Yeah. And there were some other like cool connections spiritually that have happened around all of this, but I wrote about it in the newsletter and I don't want to double dip. So (laughs) if you want to know more, maybe this is your little nudge nudge to sign up for that newsletter (laughs) because it really is like a a place of personal sharing. Yeah, for sure. If you're into that sort of thing. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, your cousin Cameron Weiss was a lovely, lovely man and will be surely missed. A Libra king. Yes, yes. Gone way, way, way too soon. Mm. So sending a lot of love to him and his spirit. And yeah, it was definitely like a powerful week just to be immersed in that grief space again um it definitely is jarring it's not my favorite place to be oh it's not (laughs) no you don't look forward to going to grief spaces i don't but i also feel like a greater like sense of vulnerability and sensitivity is available to me now and I guess those are the gifts of spending a lot of time in the grief space Uh, I will share too that my mom is currently going through chemo I know I've talked about that and she's moving through it uh, rather well I think as well as someone can move through that process But it certainly is still scary and sad. And um, I'm glad that she is finding her best way into staying optimistic um, whenever we speak. But you just don't want anyone you love to be dealing with the anxiety and the sadness and the fear that comes with these situations. So it is hard to see that as well as, you know, obviously to 
be present for you, moving through all of your intense sadness, um, and just seeing that in general, as well as having to create space for my own. And there's also then this sense of like a need for stillness that comes with these situations. And it's hard because... I don't necessarily want to be still anymore. Like I was kind of embracing the stillness for a long time post the loss of Noche. But now I've been feeling the sense of like, all right, I want to get back into into my creativity and into just like forward movement. And it just becomes hard when you have these experiences. It feels like, you know, I tell myself, all right, this is the week I'm going to like, finally have I've cleared my schedule I've done all these things so that I can just like approach it from like a clear creative place and then you suddenly find yourself like in a car heading to San Diego for a funeral so it it just has become a lot of stops and starts and so at this point I just need to take advantage of the time I have when I have it every day and stop looking toward the future of that's when things are going to change because that's a facade um, but I will share I have this one creative project that I've talked about before um, it's a TV writing project that I've been working on for a few years now but it's had a lot of stops and starts as all of those do um, and I was on a hike yesterday and um, I just kind of like spoke out loud to the spirit of that project asking how um, I can find my way back to it. And uh, the uh, a dragonfly uh, is actually plays like a role in the piece. So it's become a symbol for me with the project. And I um, saw one just kind of literally fly right over my head and just kind of hover right in front of me. And I was like, oh, yay, there you are. And it just kind of buzzed around. I was like, okay, well, just continue to show me the way to back to the project I, I know I can find my way now and then for fun I just kind of said and I think it'd be really fun if I could just be like surrounded by like a swarm of dragonflies that would feel really cool just like so fun <laughs> so about like 15 minutes later on my hike uh well about 12 minutes later I was stung by a bee which was a whole other thing but it was fine and uh I'm not allergic so it was okay and then I kept walking and then a few minutes after that I just kind of paused and looked around and just saw like dragonflies like buzzing all around me and I mean like there were probably at least 15 of them and they were like I mean, they weren't like literally right around my head, but they were like up above in the sky. And like, I just like turned slowly and they were just kind of like all around like this giant energetic halo. And I, I mean, I obviously was just kind of laughing and I was like, well, this is some spirit shit. <laughs> like, you know, obviously some people think I was crazy, but I was, y'all listening are like, that's cool. I'm sure. Cause it was just like that moment. And of course I was just like, thank you. Thank you spirit. Like how cool that you like really just pulled that one through right away, you know? Um, and it helped me, um, 
stop cursing bee spirit for a while. I would not want to be surrounded by dragonflies. I'm going to tell you right now. Aww. I would be like screaming. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like that girl no. who's just like, ah, I can get him away from me. No, I mean, look, they weren't, like I said, they weren't literally like bumping into my no, head. No, I know. Anything. I mean, dragonflies are beautiful, but they are also like very large bugs. And they when they get large. close to me, like a June bug, like I know they're not dangerous. It's just like, it is It is a large buzzing thing that I don't like too close to me. And of course, here I was like arms outstretched. Yeah, like, you're like, land come land on, on me. me. I was yeah. like, please let me be your tree. None, none of them landed on me. Just that damn bee. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, bee, I'm not through with you yet. But anyhow, so that's where we're at. Um, but I love you, honey, and I'm sorry you've been going through so much loss. I know it's really frustrating and hard, but I feel like you are uh, moving through it pretty gracefully. And just keep taking care of yourself. I am trying. Yeah. And look, Brandon made a face when I said gracefully, and look, gracefully, it's a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're not like a gymnast on like a, a high beam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grace. Yeah, it's a, it's a clumsy grace. Yeah. It's a chaotic grace. Totally. Yeah. Well, I haven't like given up completely. I haven't like taken to the bed forever. I'm proud of myself for like showing up for like this podcast and yeah, my creativity and even that like pottery class on Sunday that I really... Didn't want to go to. Yeah, but we're having fun. Yeah, but then I was glad we went. Yeah, shout outs, pottery classmates. Shout outs, None pottery you know. classmates. None, None of you know us. <laughs> None of you listen. None of you listen. None of you care. And that's why we like it. We're just two anonymous homos who are really bad at clay. Yes, whereas in the rest of the world, we're just famous. Correct. Just can't Everywhere walk. we go. Oh, my God. That TJ Maxx last night. Oh, my gosh. just... Couldn't keep them away. No, I won't sign your receipt, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, TJ Maxx at like nine o'clock on a Monday is a really it's a soothing place it's a to mood, be. For it's, sure. It's really. Shout out to Arena. Oh, Arena. <laughs> the sweet lady. <laughs> kind of kind of a harsh energy to start, but then such a great slow burn. Yeah. She I loved us. Like, girl, let's go get a drink after this. Just she might drink. listen. <laughs> she don't know us. No, she don't. Nobody there knows us. Um, all right. Speaking of famous people. Yes. Why don't we famous people. take a sharp pivot and head into this episode's Dose, Dose of Reality. reality. You know, when your own life is really hard, there's nothing like fully disassociating into the lives of some really delusional ladies. Yes. And we have been watching a slew of Housewives of late. More of a slew than usual. Sometimes it's what you need. It is. And there's some really good fare happening right now. Yeah. I bet that I know some of you are about like, you know, about to hit that fast forward button. But wait. But I'm just saying... Watch The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. For real. And don't even start from the beginning. Just just dive into this new season that just started. Yeah, just watch it. Watch one. Maybe you already have and you're like, no, I can't. Try it. Just st- stay with just it. Just give it a whirl. It is comedic gold. <laughs> 
The second episode of this season's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is probably one of my favorite episodes of television of all time. They're just like such immaculate characters and they're obviously all self-aware but they're not fully in on the joke of themselves while right. continuing to like perpetuate the stereotype of themselves that it's just like so satisfying. It's like Sonia Morgan. Like Sonia Morgan knows what the people want from Sonia Morgan and she continues to deliver it, but yeah. she's never fully on the inside of the joke. Or if she is, she's done a really good job of not letting us. Right. Because yeah, yeah. she's always like the butt of the joke. And all of these housewives of Salt Lake City, with the exception of Whitney, who's frankly just a snooze, trying too hard, Whitney. Yeah, trying way too hard, going to the Tamara Judge School of Housewives. Yeah, gotta let it go, Whitney. Gotta loosen up, you know? Yeah, don't try so hard. Yeah, like anyone... She needs it, though. She needs this more than any of them. Well, clearly, she's built her whole life and career around it. (laughs) So, yes, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City are back. Um, if you are someone who's in the know, they are Sans Jen Shaw, who is currently Watching serving it time from prison. Yes, with her new best friend Elizabeth Holmes. Apparently, it's a strange world we live in, kids. But they have, I think, been able to pull the show back together. There was a lot of discussion about Jen Shaw in the first episode, but then she kind of went away, and I think that's what we all needed for the show to move forward and we all kind of don't really care at this point about her. So um, they have, you know, brought back uh, all the women from all the main women from last season and they've promoted one of the friends and then they've brought in a new woman. And then they also brought back Mary M. Cosby from season one as a friend who is just one of the most I mean, I feel like the word unhinged has gotten a lot of usage lately. It's yeah. become kind of like an overuse. It's like it's like this season's iconic. Correct. But let me tell you, she is unhinged. She's completely unhinged. <laughs> she reclaims the word. She has she has returned it to its true value. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, she is the only person I will use that word to describe moving forward. We all need to find a new unhinged. Is it funny that in my mind, I feel like you were the first person to start using unhinged a lot. And when it became like this zeitgeisty thing, I was like, how is, how did everyone else, how did this all happen? I know. Well, people are always stealing from me. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, a great show, but one of the greatest scenes involved uh, this new housewife that they have called, uh, her name's Monica. And Monica, we should share, is one of the FBI informants oh, yeah. against Jen Shaw. She was Wild. Jen Shaw's friend. Yeah. Jen Assistant, Shaw think, right? tried to like lure her in to like one of her crazy themes, basically told her like if she would just put certain LLCs under her name, she'd get like $600,000 a year. And Monica called her friend, and her friend was like, do not get in bed with Jen Shaw. Yeah. That girl's going down. She knew better. Not like Stu Chains. Correct. So then, so Monica is now a housewife. And, you know, Monica... She's a single mom with four kids. She lives modestly. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's beautiful. She was excommunicated from the Mormon church. Um, for having an affair with her brother-in-law, yeah, which with her is brother-in-law. juicy. 
fucking wild. Um, but she has this scene with her mother and where she talks about and proceeds to like cry while sharing with her mother that she went to the Louis Vuitton store and bought a bag because she felt like she needed that to like fit in with the other ladies. Yeah. She said that she just wanted to have something nice in the presence of all of them. So she like broke the fourth wall in this like really vulnerable way that nobody has ever done on any franchise. And we know for a fact that like Jen Shaw had a bunch of fake bags and fake designer clothes. Like a lot of the housewives do, but to have this like newbie come on and confess that she did this when she probably can't afford it, when she's embarrassed that she did it. Yeah. And then her daughter and her mom are like, you know, like, her daughter says to her, like, you taught me that, like, it doesn't matter. And she's like, I know, like, I wish it didn't. But it's just like, it's it's actually real. It's like real housewives. Yeah, it's a very real conversation about, yeah, like consumerism and how a show like this that she has signed up to be on is, like, forcing her to confront her own, like, consumerist tendencies and on some level, I think then kind of like forces us as the viewer to also see that as well. Because, yeah. you know, there is, I mean, the housewives are kind of like an offshoot of like, or it's not really an offshoot because they came first, but they, the Kardashians have kind of helped formulate what is, I think, like the new level of the housewives. Yeah, but I think the housewives have like, ridden in on the coattails of like lifestyles of the rich and famous like even though right. they're insane and unhinged there's also something aspirational about them like we're supposed to want to have what they have or yeah but i think that's also how a lot of people view the kardashians as aspirational you know and like oh i want to have that house and that car and that body you know, so right. yeah, it's all be kind of become intertwined, which is I think why the housewives get a really bad rep because they are kind of interconnected with that. Yeah. But I do think there is like actual like when you get these actual real life moments. Yeah. Well, especially because the housewives, a lot of them are like posturing, like they yeah. are presenting as being richer or more successful than they actually are yeah. for the sake of the show. And here is somebody that like literally is flying in the face of that. And saying, like, this is who I am. And here I am, like, very vulnerably pulling back the curtain and showing you me, like, reaching for something that is going to stress me out, you know? Yeah. And I'm actually really grateful for um, the recent years of the Housewives because they have been breaking the fourth wall quite a bit now in all of the franchises. And I think it's, like, so necessary because it does really help us see the facade and i think it then like forces them as you know quote unquote characters to have to face their own self-created facades even more just transitioning to the real housewives of orange county which has also been a really really great it's actually been really entertaining y'all it's been totally entertaining this season and um i think you can credit Tamra's return to some degree because she is a good pot stirrer, but she also feels like she's working way too hard. Yeah, she she's it, it driving feels me like crazy. She's just on the she's on a show. She knows she's on a show. 
um, and is just trying really hard to like make things happen, which isn't entirely what we want to watch. At least I don't. And it's interesting. I think I think that there are some people who really enjoy the like Tamra's and Lisa Rinna's and yeah, they're like, that's what I want to see. I want to see like just total pop star drama maker. Like give me the, just the bullshit. Giselle Bryan. Yeah. And I'm opposite of that. I'm like, give me the real, like, that's what I, I, I like when it feels more like a docu-series than like a reality show. Yeah. I like real relationships playing out. Yeah. And it feels like that is on some level like there's been a good balance of that, I should say, on the orange, this current Orange County. But it feels like they've been having to really like puncture into uh, the facades, particularly of one Shannon Storms Bedore. Right. Who like keeps running to production every time one of the housewives brings up something she doesn't want to talk about. Right. Primarily around her relationship, but then even this last episode, they're on a vacation, and she did finally kind of open up at the table, like, yes, this is the thing that I'm really frustrated by in my relationship, and it really hurt. It's very hurtful, and it like took her all this time uh, to really like kind of break down and be vulnerable. Um, we are recording this after she was just, recently yeah, arrested, arrested and charged with a DUI and a hit and run. I know. Did you see that video of the car? I mean, she literally Careening ran the into somebody's house. That was insane. She ran to somebody's house drunk at night. Girl, don't drink and drive anybody. I mean, really, you guys like, yeah. come on. She had her dog with her. I so know. she was so drunk that she parks in the middle of the street And starts walking her dog as if that's going to, like, make her incognito. Right. (laughs) Like, just look normal. Like, the police are going to be like, oh, here's just a really drunk lady walking her dog. Right. But she, like, couldn't even manage to pull her car, like, off the middle of the street. Allegedly. Who knows? I mean. But it's insane. Justice for Archie, which is the name of her dog. Yes. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Well, look, I hope she's okay because clearly you do that sort of thing because something very damaging is going on in your life that you are angry about. Well, honey, if you've been watching The Real Housewives of Orange County for any amount of time, you know that her life has just been a string of things that have made her deeply very true. Upset. And she is not great at addressing them head on. No. Or even from the side. No. So, yeah, there's that. Then I guess I would say, just in conclusion, one of the most awkward moments ever of this year's television was at the finale. Not even of this year's television. I think one of the most <laughs> awkward moments I've ever witnessed, either in person or on a piece of like film or TV, ever. Yeah. Just like the most awkward moment of all time. It was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. The finale. Uh, the finale, reunion finale, where one of the uh, wives, Drew, uh, who is basically was on the verge of a divorce and is now in a divorce. Um, oh, no, was uh, was beginning a divorce when they were shooting it. But she basically like is beginning a new music career and performs a breakup song to her soon-to-be ex-husband, like, on the show, like, just sings him this song as he's sitting there in front of all of the other ladies as well. It was so crazy. And it was basically, like, 
the song was just about how like you threw us away and you know like just like how low down and untrustworthy he was and just yeah i mean she's, she's literally all singing this song him, to him while he's sitting there on national tv yeah and all the housewives are also like on the couches having to like be witness to it and some of them are kind of like bopping their heads because yeah, it's like not a like, bad song yeah, some are fully just like slowly moving to the beat like mm, yeah, and others are nice. like looking at each other like what the fuck is oh, going yeah. on it was wild it was so cringe y'all like so crazy i'm one of those people who get like very uncomfortable when i watch uncomfortable things like yeah. even in movies like when like somebody's gonna like get caught for something like i just get like nervous you know like yeah i feel like i'm getting called to the principal's office totally. so watching that was like very challenging yeah it was but you know i gotta say props to her she sang that song oh totally agreed agreed and I feel like we've gone on too long now, but, you know, just also challenging to watch is The Real Houses of New York, which we have been watching. Because we were sick and we had nothing better to do. So we were like, fine, Let's watch fine. it. And, and, you know, I'm just going to say I do think it's currently at its most interesting point. Like there definitely are some like interesting character dynamics. But going back to where we started this, just about talking about like kind of real people like engaging in relationships and that being like part of like the the basis of it and what makes it interesting like there's none of that going on in this series so it all just feels like so incredibly performative and you know I was thinking and I haven't I don't know and actually I'll have to like I'd be curious to like ask people who watch all of the shows you know like this is a question for like a for Shawnee Mims but like I wonder what, like, there are all these other shows that are on, like, the Bravo Network, like Summer House and Southern Charm and all these shows that feel really like like they've been produced and put together. Like, here's a bunch of people, and we're going to put them in this situation, and we're going to have them make a show. Yeah. And in a way, like, this new Real House of New York feels more like that as opposed to, like, here's a... Here's a community and a slice of life that's happening in this world. Yeah. Let's all tune in. Like this one feels a little more like an experiment of right. like, let's all put these people in a box and see what happens. Yeah. Even if like past iterations of Housewives were that, it was cloaked a little bit more. Yes, for sure. But they all in the beginning started out a little more like, oh yeah, I've known her for 10 years. I've known her for 12 years. She used to date my husband. She used to be my friend, this and that, you right. know, like- you know, that's my sister. That's my cousin. Like there was just a lot of that that was brought in that like helped establish some of the relationships going in and created like interesting dynamics right off the bat. Whereas this, even the people were like, oh, yeah, I mean, we've been friends for a while. I'm like, a while feels like two months to me. Yeah. Like, it You're like since yeah. the start of filming. Yes. Maybe six months. Yeah. But there doesn't feel like any like there's no stakes in the relationships which just doesn't make it that fun. Yeah, me. they're all solo agents for sure. Yeah. But which is hard to watch. And most of them are pretty unlikable. Yeah, but that being said, we are watching it. We're still watching it. <laughs> so we'll we'll download more about it than on our next dose of reality. Because we're addicts. <laughs> we're Real Housewives addicts. We are. We've and if tried. there were a 12-step group, maybe we, maybe we, would, we should join. There may be. Maybe there is. There may be. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm not, not ready. ready. <laughs> not until I see the uh, 
sneak peek of the new season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Potomac. All right. If you checked out, it's time to check back in. Yeah. Because here we go into this episode's Deep, deep Dive. dive. Y'all, here we are. We are almost through the houses. This episode is all about the 10th house. And then after that, there's just two more houses to go. I'm really proud of us that we've committed to this and we've stuck to it. And I think a lot of y'all are appreciating us breaking down the houses because it really is the biggest piece of astrology that's most misunderstood or overlooked or just ignored. Yeah. And so... These last three houses are really important. There's no house that's more important than any other, just like the signs. Um, Especially the 10th house, it gets a lot of play because it is the most visible house in the chart. We could like have a little argument about whether the first house or the 10th house is the most visible, but, (laughs) but those are the angles. So let's remember what it looks like. Close your eyes unless you're operating heavy machinery. I'll close my eyes for you. And just picture the wheel, right? So we started, if it's a clock, right? If it's a clock, we started at nine o'clock. And then we went down to six o'clock. We went around to three o'clock. And now we are up at midnight. We are at the top of the clock before we make our way back to where we started. So the 10th house is where we are. Are the the cusp of the tenth house is the very top of the chart. It's what's known as the mid heaven, because you are literally in the middle of the heaven. So you can imagine that this is actually not midnight. It's high noon, baby. The sun is at its brightest. You're like me, in the middle of that funeral, just sweating your tits off, right? Like that is the power of the sun when it is at the position of the mid heaven. And so the midheaven starts the 10th house, and then everything inside the 10th house is in some ways referring back to what the midheaven is, which is the most visible part of the chart. It's the tallest piece of the tree. So if you remember when we talked about the 4th house many, 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 many episodes ago, so many, the deepest part of the chart, the roots of the tree. But now this, this is the peak of the tree. This is where all the birds come to roost. This is what's seen, not just by the people close to you, but what's seen for miles and miles away. So the 10th house, it brings with it this idea of reputation, legacy, what you'll be known for. If you have planets on the midheaven, these planets, they represent how people see you and who you might be in the world. So just wanted to orient you there just to understand like how the geometry or the astronomy informs the symbolic interpretation of what the house means. So yeah, so with that 10th house, it it does really become all about uh, your legacy and what you will do with this lifetime to that informs your legacy. Your legacy isn't just your career, but for a lot of us, and when we think about legacy, career is certainly a piece of that. So planets in the 10th house definitely help us unpack what our profession is. 
and and how our career wants to unfold. The sixth house is like the work that we do, right? Like, remember we talked about like the sixth house might be like what you do to make money. But the 10th house is like what you do because your soul compels you to do it. Right. It's the biggest piece of it. Yeah. It's interesting because Angel's been reading, uh, he's finished now, but was reading this biography about Elizabeth Taylor. Amazing. And you know, Elizabeth Taylor has such a wide and varied legacy. There's the acting, of course. There's Mm -hmm. the beauty. Yeah. There's... The jewelry, darling. The, the jewelry, jewelry. The perfume, the white diamonds. The philanthropy. Yes, all that. And also all the marriages. Eight. A very wide legacy. It'd be interesting to look at her 10th house and see right. what's informed there. Yeah, yeah. A lot for a Pisces to do. But yeah, there's like a level of like ambition that comes with that 10th house. And how your ambition is expressed or if there is like a larger level of it depending on what sign rules it and if you have planets there but yeah you can really look to that sign that sits at the doorway to your 10th house or that is that midheaven point to understand all right this is the reflection of my ambition my purpose right and remembering that the angles are the most active places in the chart remember those angles being the ascendant which is the doorway to the first house the ic the doorway to the fourth the descendant which is the doorway to the seventh and then here we are the last angle that we're going to cover which is this midheaven i was just thinking like how wild it is that we have gotten to this point that we, you know, it was just kind of like reflecting on the journey around the chart wheel. When you think about the 10th house being that like, I mean, yeah, the first house is that like outward facing, but it's really like the you that you, you know, that shows up in the mirror, right? It's like the you that shows up to someone that you have approached. Whereas like the 10th house is like the you that shows up in the world and to the world, you know, it's maybe weird to say, but like, would you think that like the 10th house also kind of like on some level, like rules, like your social media presence? Mm, Totally. Right. Yeah. It's your egregore. I mean, I guess it's like 10th or 11th house kind of. No, no, no. With each other, but like when you are thinking about a celebrity, right? Uh Like, let's just think about just because we've been watching Madonna. No, let's not think about Madonna. Let's think about (laughs) Naomi Campbell for a second, okay? Yes. Let's think about Naomi Campbell because I can't wait to watch that Supermodels docuseries. Oh my god, tomorrow. So you know, like we, I mean, yeah, like we know, we know of Naomi Campbell, but like I've never sat next to Naomi Campbell. Neither of you. I don't think so. The Naomi Campbell that we that we think we know, we think we know her 10th house. Right. It's her midheaven. Yeah. Now, if you're in her presence, that's her ascendant, you know? Right. Like exactly. if you've ever met her, and yeah. she might be very different. Right. Now, from what I hear, she's not. But she could be. You just <laughs> no, don't totally. know, you know? 
or it's like you know like movie stars like their 10th house you're like oh they're like such a big presence like they're such a big person and then you meet them and you're like oh my god like you are like a little person like you're like so petite and like right. bird boned and like kind of like small and it's because their ascendant is different than their midheaven so i guess you could kind of say like the first house is like yeah the person you're meeting like at a party or at a dinner whether the fourth house is like who you're meeting at home like in their most private self yeah and the seventh house is like who you're meeting in like an intimate one-on-one relationship yeah or you're meeting their partner right yeah as a reflection of them and then that tenth house is yeah like who the world knows yeah that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's like a really important distinction that you make here. Like there's there's the public face, which is like, you know, we go out into the world, we go to the grocery store, we go to TJ Maxx, we go get sushi. Like, you know, that's that's your ascendant. Yeah. That's that immediate hit that people get when they're actually in your presence, you know? Yeah. But as soon as they're not in your presence, and that's where I think social media shows up, right? Like that's the 10th house. That's the the larger public facing presence yeah that's that's being uh exposed there so what is your 10th house sign and how does that represent that girl you don't know it's capricorn Mm -hmm. i mean so you know i and i have a lot of planets there i have neptune and my moon both in capricorn in the 10th house very close to the midheaven so i think you know, like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, oh, Brandon is like, I don't know. Like maybe maybe you think I'm like more Capricorny than I actually am. Like maybe you think I like have my shit together or I'm like more serious or like I'm tougher than I am, you know, because those are like all Capricorn things. But I also have like that that moon and, and Neptune. Like those are two softer planets that are in a harder sign. You might like think like, oh, Brandon's like very like ambitious or... um has like a lot of like goals but like if you but if you meet me and you're just like hang out with me like you know it's just like all my fucking like mars and venus and aries like i'm just here to like laugh and have a good time and just like chase like the first fast thing that comes by yeah no i think we get that but i think just with those planets you mentioned like i would think that the world sees you as very spiritual neptune you know very creative like with a lot of vision. Um, but I think you also like, you almost have like an easier way of like showing your heart on social media. Like you, and it in a very Capricorn way, like you used to like do, and I mean, you still do, but not to the degree. You used to do these like very long written posts on like Instagram. You know, it'd be like a picture of you like on a mountaintop, but it'd be like literally like, a writing that would have to like continue into the comments because it was just this like incredibly ambitious share. (laughs) But you know what? That is, that is actually really insightful because it is sometimes easier for me to share my heart on like a larger impersonal stage, Uh like in a newsletter or like on social media or like even this podcast. Although on this podcast, sometimes it's more challenging because you're sitting right there and I'm like, oh shit like i'm i'm gonna be held uh i'm gonna be held to this to what i'm (laughs) saying you know always yeah whereas and i've gotten so much better about it especially through this phd in grief uh 
I've gotten so much better about like being able to like be more vulnerable in one-on-one relationships and like with my friends and like in person. Um, but that wasn't always, that wasn't always the case for me. Yeah. And I would just say it's interesting because if in some ways the 10th house is like your work, you know, with a capital W, so much of my work in my life so far has been heart work, like with my moon there. It's like, how do I become more vulnerable? How do I live in my heart and live from my heart? And that's so much of like what I teach and what I practice. Yeah, no, exactly. But then the other flavor of this, just to continue to teach... And I guess that also is like my Capricorn. Like I can't help but like be a teacher. Yeah. Is that Capricorn answers to Saturn. So the ruling planet of my 10th house is my Saturn in Scorpio. So it also like just kind of gives that bite to it. Like, and also like, I don't love the hard stuff, but I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. And I don't shy away from it. My Saturn in Scorpio really helps me be present for the things that send most people running. Well, because it's in the eighth house. Yeah. It's Saturn and Scorpio in the eighth. Which if we were teaching our class right now, I'd be like, and remember everyone, what is the eighth house? Tell us. What are some words that describe the eighth house? Well, teacher, (laughs) the eighth house is the unconscious. It's the house of transformation and other people's money. Mm-hmm. And sex, honey. Lots right. Sex. Oh, so does my Saturn in Scorpio make me sexy? Of course. Does everyone it bring a sexiness sexy. to the 10th house? That's what about you. Oh, oh my, my God. So you guys. Sexy. That's all I want is to be a <laughs> sex object. But I think, you know, 8th house is all the things we're not supposed to talk about. And, and I girl, think don't I talk work. about it. One, that's your work too. Like your work is to help other people connect to those things, right? Like either through like spirit, you know, straight, direct spiritual work that doesn't involve words. Well, nothing I do is straight, honey. <laughs> Gay and direct, yes, maybe. All right, fine. You know, queer direct work, but also like, you know, through your astrology readings, tarot readings, it's like helping people unpack those things as well. And then with your creative work too, I think it speaks very much to like those things as well. So yeah, totally. just kind of shows that like, your work is ultimately like how you make your mark. That will be your legacy. A sexy legacy. Yeah. By Brandon Alter. Great. Can't get enough. <laughs> and you, your 10th house? Well, my 10th house is ruled by Aquarius. And I'm asking like I don't know you guys, I but I know. <laughs> and again, I don't have any planets there. But... Just to, you know, this is easy for anyone listening at home. So what's the ruling planet of Aquarius? Well, it depends on who you ask. Oy vey. <laughs> That's not untrue. All right, let's give the, this is so Aquarius of you, to like <laughs> give the more complicated answer here. Yes. But yes, you're right. There is the traditional ruler, which and then there Saturn, is the contemporary ruler. Which is Uranus. So why don't you, why don't you break us down both? Well... My Saturn, so, well, Aquarius, I think, just in general, is like a, you know, quirky, eccentric, march to the beat of their own drum. Humanitarian. Humanitarian. Save the world. Yeah, it's very forward thinking. Welcome the aliens and free the AI from their invisible shackles and... 
I just want to be standing there on the mesa. Take us to Utopia, baby. Um, Take me to Chromatica. Um, But yeah, so that's the energy that's just surrounding the work I do, my ambition. I guess that's kind of, I don't know if that's how the world receives me. Who's weirder, you guys, me or Angel? I'd be curious (laughs) to know. Because I, I, I have an Aquarius sun, but it's in the 11th. They're like, you guys, you're both weird as fuck. Like, totally. it's really, it's like, what's... I mean, obviously, I think you're weirder, but you probably think I'm weirder. No, I definitely think I'm weirder. Okay, but that's because cool. I'm an Aquarius sun. So I like, <laughs> I like pride myself on like being weirder, like when maybe I'm, I'm not, you know? Yeah. Like, I like some basic things. Like, I like sushi and ice cream and TJ Maxx. So, you know, like... I mean, I like... Oh, I don't really care that much for ice cream, but I like it. I mean, I like it. I just don't eat it. Yeah. But that's just a choice. Yeah. It's probably, it's, it's, probably a wise, choice. it's probably a wise choice. You know, I was thinking like ice cream doesn't solve your problems, but it never makes them worse, you know, which you can't say about. Well, unless you have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> then it might make it worse. Okay. Correct. Or like lactose intolerance. Yeah, Cause like, really like you're like worse. having a bad day and then you've like shit your pants. So like yeah. that really did make your life worse. Yeah. All right, um, fair enough. Yeah, I would be curious to know if my worldly persona lends itself to like a weirdness. I mean, I would think that in my work environments, yes, I am the weirdo. I'm wagging my finger emphatically <laughs> right now because yeah, like in your work environment of like, you know, like when you were in development and when you're a producer on set, I actually think about that one guy who said to you, oh, yeah, Angel brings the vibes. That's his right. job. He brings the vibes. Like, that's so Aquarius, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, everyone was always like, who is this the weirdo who is in this, like, <laughs> corporate production company, you know? Right, yeah. Who is this person who says, like, oh, we're making a movie during Mars retrograde? That's going to be tough, you know? But, yeah, I do think, like, in those environments, like, I tend to, like, like when I first show up, people think I'm like probably somebody's assistant or something because I like just kind of keep to myself. I'm a little stand backish. Like I try to take everything in uh, and then I will assert myself into like the role of producer or back in the day executive or whatever. I think I also, from an Aquarian standpoint, tend to have a a, a sense of, well, we're all equal. Like we're all playing a part here. So I've definitely worked with people who are like, well, I'm the boss and like assert this boss energy. And I never really respond well to that. And I think it has on some level. I've always been challenged by that internally thinking that like, oh, I lack confidence or I lack a sense of authority when I actually don't think that's the case anymore. I think I am just someone who really understands that like we are all people capable of great things and we all have a role to play and my role doesn't need to like I don't need to get off on like being the boss and a more Aquarius sentence has never been said (laughs) so so I think yeah that is a part of it but then you know back to the rulership conversation of 25 years ago like um my Saturn, though, lives in the fourth house in Leo. Mm-hmm. So my work is to... Unleash your creativity. Unleash my creativity. Even though it's hard and it scares you. Yeah. Saturn and Leo. Yeah. And it's got to be, like, personal and, you know, like, 
from the depths of my ancestry. But then that Uranus lives in the sixth house in Scorpio. What about that Uranus in sixth house in Scorpio? I feel like she doesn't get to express herself that often. No, she doesn't because she's always being like pushed into like go here, go there. But I think like my Uranus in the sixth house ultimately just wants like freedom every day. Like I think that's uh, what made me so challenged to work in corporate environments was the need to like abide by other people's schedules and calendars and like needing to. I mean, my job for years was to, like, keep other people's calendars, which was very helpful. It was a grounding for me. And my Taurus rising made me very good at it. Like, like I appeared to be able to handle it. And I could. Yeah. Girl fooled me for years, that Taurus rising. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't love it. And I don't love it. And ultimately, my Uranus in the sixth wants to, like, be able to, like, have every day look and feel different. You know? Like, it's hard for me to, like show up the same I think I can only do that if I know it has an end date you know like when I'm in production on something I can like go to like a production office during like four to six weeks of prep because I know that like all right well soon we'll be out in the world and on sets and like every day will look and feel very different but for now I have to come here and sit in front of my laptop and like go to meetings and like be present so interesting yeah to think of scorpio as like a sign of like commitment you know like scorpio is like the ultimate commitment and to have uranus there like you're willing to commit but it has to be for just a spell yeah and then i want to change yeah unusual commitments yeah and they're both like big change oriented energies right both uranus and scorpio yeah totally so. Well, that also kind of shows like in your career too with like a lot of different pivots, you know, like in your multi-hyphenate that you introduce because like you literally are a producer. You've like produced several like very successful films. Oh, so you say. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> I don't know if they're very successful, but they are out. You they're can real watch movies. They with are like, real movies with yeah. actual actors you've heard of in them. Yes. Yeah, it's not like when I was an actor and like half my IMDb was like student films I did at like... No, they're movies, yeah, that they're got like released real... and played at film festivals. But and... you also are like yes. a real astrologer as well. Yes. You know, like you've been doing that like even longer than you were an executive or a producer, you know? Totally. And we're going to look back in like five years and you will be proven to be like a real writer as well with like real projects that exist in the world. Like that's, that's Uranus in Scorpio, which is like these bursts of like inspiration and then, and then it goes somewhere else and then it goes somewhere else. Yeah. I love that line from tiny, beautiful things that we were watching where she was like talking about being an accomplished writer. I just haven't accomplished anything yet. I felt that one. If you're looking for something that will make you cry, but it's also funny and you love Catherine Hahn, we highly recommend Tiny Beautiful Things. Totally. Any hoodle, I looked up Elizabeth Taylor's birth chart. Oh. Her midheaven is Libra. Oh, obviously, right? But also like beauty. Yeah. Like like when you think Elizabeth Taylor, what do you what do you think first and foremost? The beauty. The gorgeousness. <laughs> The gorgeousness. The gorgeousness. Yeah. The so so there it is. It's that it's that Libra. Yeah. And the relationships that she made. Exactly. And so just to follow this a little further, Elizabeth Taylor with Libra 
on the Midheaven ruling the 10th house answers to Venus. And her Venus was in Aries conjunct Uranus. Oh. Which again brings us that pivot, this and that and this and that. It brings diversity to the legacy because Uranus doesn't want any one thing. And that Venus in Aries wants what it wants when it wants it, you know? Totally. And that's why she has one of the world's largest jewelry collections because when she saw something she wanted, she got it. By any means necessary, honey. Henny. Henny. Honey. Honey, I just left Heathrow. (laughs) (laughs) All the flights are canceled. Um, Let's take the planets through the 10th just to help people. Okay. Fill in. Any gaps? Correct. Yeah. Well, if you have a sun in the 10th house. You a boss, baby. Yeah. That sunlight wants to shine on the world stage. So if you are hiding yourself or your planet small, that sun is Don't do it. really going to make your life miserable until you finally just accept the size, the true size that your life wants to be. It's a big life with sun in the 10th house. Yeah. The world wants to know you. So yeah, figuring out exactly how um, you are meant to use yourself as a gift to the world. And then the moon in the 10th, which I have, which we kind of, cover to some extent which is like your heart has to be in your work like period or else nothing's ever gonna fucking happen from it yeah and the world will receive your heart yeah it wants to if you give it correct but yeah it is very much about like putting your heart into things yeah yeah and the moon also rules like your emotions and your body and maybe even your mommy and so those are themes that can maybe like show up in your work as well yeah, you probably have like a really strong relationship with a parent. Yeah. A very emotionally strong relationship with a parent. Yes. <laughs> Mercury in the 10th. So Mercury wants to speak, wants to write, wants to tell the tales. So if you have Mercury in the 10th, you might find that these are things that are really important to your work. Like you are a writer or a storyteller or a journalist. Or a singer. Or a speaker. The world wants to hear your voice, darling. I don't know why I keep like hearing myself as Mariah Carey in my head. Well, because... Darling. What if Mariah Carey were the voice of like your ego? I mean, how do you know she's not? I don't, honestly. Darling, you need to just get it together. Go do your work already, my God. She now sounds like Electra from <laughs> Pose. From Pose. <laughs> well, but that's also a good voice for your ego. I say, and aren't they kind of the same? Um, but yeah, it's very much like uh, the world needing your voice, the world needing your writing, your words. Um, yeah, needing to do work that involves that. So, and your yeah. mind. Yes. Because Mercury ideas. is also like, yeah, like needing to get them out into the world. Yeah. I would just say like any planet that you have in the 10th house should not be hidden. And no. if for whatever reason you are hearing this and you're like, oh gosh, like it is kind of hidden. You got to figure out how to liberate those planetary energies so that they can bring your chart to life. Yeah, you might have like a Saturn angle or a... Pluto aspect, you know, one of those aspects. Yeah, the hard Mars thing. Yeah, that makes it hard. But um, good to look at those to help solve the riddle. Yeah. 
Venus in the 10th house. Well, you're going to make money. Yes, like, honey. you know, and you like working for money. Call me. Um, but also, you know, Venus rules art and beauty and relationships. So those mm-hmm. are themes that might flourish in your 10th house. Like you might be a art director or a matchmaker. A therapist. An artist. Yeah. You're just like, your work is like to connect with people. Yeah. And again, remember that like we're thinking work with a capital W. Like even if you're teaching Pilates to pay the bills, you're, you know, going home to write that musical. Or you might be a healer just on a larger scale. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's your double, your capital W-E-R-K. Q. Work. W E R Q U E Um but yeah, I think that's Venus. Yeah, and your relationship also may play a role in your purpose as well. So you might have a partner who does work with you or you're known for that. Totally. Um and then uh Mars in the tenth house, she's so ambitious, wants it all. Gonna do what it takes. Gonna push somebody down the stairs to make it happen. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, Mars in the 10th is a workhorse. Like, Mars in the 10th is hungry. Like, the ambition is real, but you also have, like, what it takes to get you there. Yeah. No, completely. And that's workhorse, W-E-R-Q-W-H-O. Uh, C-E. Oh, wow. Is that how, is that how it's spelled? Workhorse. Workhorse. <laughs> now, also, I would say mm-hmm. if you got Mars in the 10th, you probably are like boss energy. For sure. And you also like might be a little aggressive in the workplace. Like you might be one of those people, like a little Miranda Priestly-esque, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, you know, just be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like over assert yourself in your situations. But yeah, again, similar to like the sun, like the world wants to see you. Uh, Jupiter. I mean, Jupiter in the 10th is a really auspicious placement. Yeah, girl. It's one a of the big, best. it's a big, big, big legacy. Just go out and get your life. And also it's like your legacy is your growth. You know, like something I think we've said on this program many, many times, but it's like your soul's purpose is not just your job. You know, and your legacy right. is not just your job. Your legacy is how you have moved through your life. Like if we think about like, you know, all of us are like a Greek myth, you know, like the Greek myth of Angel Lopez that like will be told one day down the line oh, will it? to our like alien AI descendants. Mm. And they'll tell the myth of, of Angel Lopez. And what would that myth be about? You know, like what's the content of that myth? That's the 10th house, you know, like how you moved through the, the challenges and the successes of your life, you know, that legacy of kindness of uniqueness, of mm. of authenticity, of a deep and unending love for Madonna. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the legacy. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I know. I was really, I was really trying to <laughs> draw it out there, <laughs> make you nervous. But thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a beautiful legacy. Yeah, it is a beautiful legacy. But no, you're right. It is important to remember those things. And um, and so with Jupiter, yeah, it like reminds of like the vastness of who you are, too. You know, but. It is a it is like a big life. Like the world wants to give you a big life. So it's kind of like 
doing your best to avoid saying no, you know, like being a yes to life person with that Jupiter there. But yeah, it's also going to express, yeah, there, there's like a boss energy that can come with that, but you're like the kind, benevolent boss. Yeah, as opposed to when you got Saturn in the 10th house. Yeah. But I also want to just add before we go to Saturn is like, you know, there's can be strong like teacher vibes too. Oh, totally. Come with Jupiter in the 10th. Yeah. Teacher, philosopher, you know, things of that nature, like that helps expand the world's view of itself. Oh. But yes, Saturn is a bit more of a challenged teacher. Yeah, but still teacher vibes. I mean, remember that Saturn, wherever Saturn exists in your chart, it can denote a part of your life that gets better as you get older because Saturn is time. So it's not an easy place, but that doesn't mean that it won't get better Mm -hmm. as you grow. So if you have Saturn in the 10th house, you might find that initially you are really challenged to take up space or to like be on the the world stage or if you were on the world stage maybe you were maligned or canceled or taken down to some extent but wherever saturn is it's showing us like where we need to put on our adulting pants and roll up our sleeves yeah and not take anything for granted so having saturn in the 10th is no less auspicious than having jupiter in the 10th it just means you're gonna have to work a whole lot harder for it but it's pointing your attention to your legacy and to the work So I would especially look to the sign that Saturn is in if you're somebody that has Saturn in the 10th. Yeah, very important. Work, 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 work. So try not to get too overwhelmed. Then we have Uranus in the 10th house, which we talked about a little bit. Um, But yeah, Uranus is that authenticity, that uniqueness, the world really wanting to know you. Uh, for who you are genuinely. Yeah, and it's a diversity of legacy, as we talked about earlier. If you've got Uranus in the 10th, you're not going to be known for one thing, babe. You're going to be known for a lot of different things. You have a lot of eras inside of you. Totally. Um, But there is also like a connection to like science, technology. So there's certain elements of that that are involved too. So kind of being on the, uh, the cusp of things as they are happening you know, helping to break things into society is a part of who you are. But ultimately, yeah, like trying to get the world to, um, you know, see you in all your uniqueness and hopefully inspire others to then like live in their authentic, unique truths as well. Listen to Break Free by Ariana Grande and you'll know what Uranus in the 10th is all about, babe. Yes, always and forever. Then you have Neptune in the 10th, which we also talked about with Brandon. Hey. Yeah, that spirituality really comes through, that creativity, that vision. You know, the real, the world really wanting to um, understand you, see you as a spiritual person, spiritual leader, you know, um, someone who really like, you know, lives their spiritual truth. But then also, yeah, there's a creativity element that also comes with Neptune. Yeah, and just to read myself for filth, there's also a huge amount of like delusion that can be brought into the 10th house. Oh, there is. There's like a fog where what you think is your legacy is maybe not what's actually being seen. You're delusional. I also think that like Neptune is a mirror. And Mm, so people mm -hmm. can project a lot onto Neptune. So like Marilyn Monroe had Neptune in the first. So Mm. people were always projecting onto Marilyn what they thought she was as opposed to like 
who she actually was, you know? Right. Um, so you might find that if you have Neptune in the 10th, that people are kind of always telling you what your legacy is. And you're like, that's actually not how I'm experiencing yeah, it. Yeah, that's not who I want to be. But that's okay. Because at the end of the day, your legacy really isn't for you. Right. Like, you don't get to take that with you. No. That's what's of you that's left behind. It's actually, like, really generous if you think about what of you do you want to leave behind, not for yourself. Because we often think about legacy as, like, how will I be remembered? And how can I satisfy my ego in the future, even though I won't even be around to know it's happening? Right. But the truth is, it's like your legacy is like the children, you know, yeah, that you leave behind. So just taking some time to really think about, especially if you have Neptune there and getting clear because Neptune will make it very unclear. What do you want that to be? Mm-hmm. What are the children you want to leave behind? Yeah. Well, no child left behind. Honey. And well, correct. But also, haven't they all been left behind? <sighs> yes. And then Pluto. Pluto in the 10th is a powerhouse energy it is one who is really meant to be seen as like a great transformative energy upon the world, you know? So here to leave things differently than you found them. Yeah, and you might show up in the workplace as death in some ways, like as the person that says like, this is no longer working. This is in some ways no longer alive. I'm here to, to change things. Some may call you a monster. But you truly are just a monster. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we're kidding. (laughs) I know a lot of people with Pluto in the 10th, and that really is their role, is to kind of come in and to be the force that says, like, this is no longer working and we have to change. No, definitely. And that's not a popular place to be, but it's a really powerful healing place. Yeah. when When you can carry it with the right responsibility and a soft touch right yeah so there you have it there's a tour through uh, the planets of the 10th house and this podcast will be our legacy because it's so long we'll probably be dead before it ever comes out well i hope not because that means we'll be (laughs) dead by the end of the week and that'd be so sad that would be so sad but we'll try to get it out before that happens so you can (laughs) always hear it and it will actually then be our legacy All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. We have two more houses to go. And And, as long as this episode was, it's never too long for a tarot card. No, because you got to have it. So let's just take a moment and drop in. Connect to the cards by listening in to the sound of them being shuffled. And just trusting this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Well, honey, it's the magician. That's me. So here we are, babes. Mercury is direct. Venus is direct. We are about to enter into a new season, a cardinal season, full steam ahead, forward movement. You get to decide how you want to walk the road in front of you. And the magician is our power to wave a wand and cast a spell to say with our words and our heart, this is what I want. This is what's important to me. I claim this. And so I would encourage you to just try to shake it all off. Whatever's happened to you, around you, 
within you this year. Bow to it. But then for this last chunk, you know, the year's not over yet. Don't quit before the finish line. Make the most of it. Reclaim your power and your authority and your voice and redirect your attention and your intention so that what matters to your heart is what you schedule into your daily life. And when you look back on the year of 2023, you will say, you know what? I didn't give up on myself. I continued to commit to that which was most important for me because I honored my inner magician. It's still a time to take action. It's still a time to try new things. It's still a time to believe in the dreams that you have in your heart are possible. Make one step towards them today. Yes, you're the best around. Nothing's going to ever bring you down. Nobody does it better. (laughs) Makes me feel sad for the less. Nobody does it half as good as you, baby, you're the best. I wasn't looking, but somehow you found me. Okay, and then we wonder how the show's... You know, (laughs) I have recently discovered Carly Simon. It's not that, I, I mean, I know Carly Simon's been around for a long time, but for whatever reason, Carly Simon's just started knocking on the door of my heart. Well, it's about time. Like heaven above me. A spy who loved me. A funny one, though, to like have stuck in your head. But yeah, it's, it's strange it's as hell, the, but also I'm strange as hell. I'm stranger yeah. than you, despite what the gazers might say. No, you are. I think they would all okay. agree. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you for that card. And thank you all for listening, for joining us, for being a part of the Spiritual Gaze community. We appreciate you. And uh, we thank you so much. Uh, you can find out everything we have going on, uh, more information on that wheel of the year we talked about at thespiritualgaze.com. Uh, but of course, you can always follow us on the uh, Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. Those are the places we exist these days. And in your dreams. And in your dreams. Didn't somebody have a dream about us? Yes, but we can't get into that now. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.